Hey guys, this is Avery Jenkins, and you're listening to the AmSide Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the AmSide Podcast, the show that talks about all things disc golf, from weekend rounds with your mates to the pro tour over in the States. We've got you covered all from an amateur perspective. We're your hosts, Rob and Dale. Dale, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about this week's show? Yes, uh, usually we have some exciting action from over the pond, but this week we've got some exciting action from Chelmsford. So we'll be uh, reviewing our first weekend of competitive disc golf, as well as an awesome guest that I'm sure people have already heard about, Mr. Avery Jenkins. He was an incredible guest. He's someone that pretty much everyone that plays disc golf knows his name. And most of the guys we play with, they've got his name on a few of their discs. So, uh, and if you don't know Avery Jenkins, don't worry. He sums up what he uh, what he's done in his career and you'll be a fan of his uh, in the end, which uh, is what we want. Um, before we jump into uh, any of that content, I just want to give a shout out to the sponsor of the Amside. So as always, we're sponsored by discub.co.uk. Um, and if you want to buy any great plastic in the UK and internationally, make sure you use our code AMSIDE5 for 5% off your order. Um, and also, I want to say thank you to Discub for providing the disc for the current giveaway we have on our socials. Uh, so, Dale, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that giveaway and how they can win it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, we are running a race to 1,000 followers giveaway. So we're looking to get to 1,000 followers and we're giving away an Amside hoodie, which is exclusive merch. You cannot get that anywhere else. Um, an incredible uh, Pathfinder that's triple foiled and it looks incredible. Um, I'm, I've never thrown them, but from looks alone, um, it's won it for me. Um, a disc dot, uh, you can't, again, can't get in the UK. So that's uh, brilliant to bring over here. We're uh, very thankful for our guys over, our friends over there. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a great giveaway. And we're at what, at this moment in time at 960 followers. Um, but yeah, try and get us to that thousand mark. <laughs> Fantastic. And also make sure that even if you're listening this to this in the future and this giveaway has already been, a, a winner's been chosen, we've always got giveaways on the, uh, on the socials. So make sure you check those out. But that, that uh, Thought Space Athletics Pathfinder is a beautiful disc. It's a great straight flying mid-range. So if you're lucky enough to get your hands on that, I'm sure you'll be having a fantastic time. So why don't we jump into uh, our game this weekend? As we said last uh, last episode, there wasn't a Pro Tour event to talk about this weekend, but it was our first competitive club round back uh, at, the, uh, at the Chelmsford course. We predicted that we would come in fairly close, uh, sort of six over a piece. It wasn't quite, uh, wasn't quite how we predicted. So why don't you, uh, why don't you reveal, Dale, the uh, the scores and the doors? <laughs> I believe it was a plus ten and a plus six, uh, respectively, uh, for you and me. Um, for me, it felt a bit off this weekend. It was the first one back, um, and it took me a while to to get back into that that groove. Um, you know, I played one of my best rounds uh, at the end, so um, it took me a while. But there's definitely some positives. I thought my putting was on point. You know, few longer putts missed, but I was feeling that confidence around that uh, circle one X at five to seven meters and in, um, which just shows obviously putting in the gardens definitely helped with that. Um, it's I'm still struggling with with putters from 
approach shots. And that's something I definitely need to work on. Yeah, I mean, we all have our strengths, we all have our weaknesses. Um, I'm kind of the opposite. I think at the moment I've been really connecting with uh, uh, my my roach approach, as I call it. Um, so within sort of uh, 60 <laughs> metres, I'm fairly confident with my line. But uh, I actually, I, I was plus seven, so not plus six, plus seven. So uh, I was a little bit off the mark uh, where I wanted to be. But that was that was me going four over through the first four holes. Uh, and that's purely based on me shanking drives on, 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 on two of them, which uh, took a little while to uh, recover and finding a little bit of OB as well. So yeah, it was a really hard start. start um, and after four was plus four. So finishing on plus seven isn't the worst thing I could have done. I, made, I was sort of playing against myself after that point and managed to uh, claw back a little bit of dignity. But I know next week I'll be... Uh, I'll be hungry to uh, take a lot of those those scores off. Uh, but also we need to improve on a lot of these things because actually the day before the club round next weekend, uh, we have the uh, the Croydon Open as well. We have our first proper tournament as disc golfers, uh, thanks to COVID cancelling everything last year. Um, so it might be uh, interesting to say that neither me or Dale are, uh, we have a we don't have a PDGA rating. Uh, so this uh, this tournament will give us that benchmark. We'll know where we stand within that uh, within that rating system. Um, and yeah, really hard course to play on Croydon. It's known to be quite a technical course. Uh, so maybe we won't have as high a rating as we may have somewhere else. But really excited to get out there, have that little bit of competitive vibe, which we've uh, I think been missing slightly uh, within the game. And uh, I'm sure we'll update you on uh, how we do on the day. No, absolutely, mate. And um... Well, it's a very forehand-driven uh, course. We've looked at it online. We've looked at the sort of maps of the courses, and it, it, it looks a challenging, a challenging course. There's many gaps and many mandos, but it's, I'm looking forward to. It. I'm looking forward to getting that PDGA rating. As you said, I don't think it it might not reflect on every course because it's such a difficult course for our first time. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm quite confident and um, looking forward to it. And I think the distance is going to be your friend. It's a, it's a big course as well. And talking about distance, we just sat down with a man that is lacking no distance whatsoever. One of the biggest arms to ever play the game, Avery Jenkins. Uh, he was a uh, he was delighted to sit down with. We've had to crop some of the conversation because uh, honestly, we could have talked for hours. Uh, but we've got we've kept all the. Uh, all the all the good bits in there, a couple of uh, sneak peeks into what he's going to be doing soon, and uh, a little bit of information around uh, what's happening with the Discmania uh, Active Line, not Active Line, Originals Line, which I know everyone in the UK is very uh, interested to find out what's going on with them. So we've got a little bit of information within this week's episode. So let's jump over to again, past Rob, past Dale, and sit down with Avery and have a great chat, ladies and gentlemen. The legend Avery Jenkins. Avery, welcome to the show. Awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. So, I mean, I don't even know why I'm asking this, but just in case anyone hasn't heard of you before, can you just give us a quick update of who you are and, and what you're doing? Um, I'm a professional disc golfer and have been for over 30 years. I'll say I'm a professional disc golfer for the last 20 or so years, but been playing the sport since the mid-80s when I was a, a young kid, around six or seven years old. My parents started getting me involved in the sport. I come from a disc golf family. Uh, my mother being a three-time world champion, my sister being a four-time world champion, and me and my sister won the Worlds in 2009 together as the first brother, sister, siblings, world champions. 
And so again, I'm heavily involved in the sport at all facets from a very young age until now. And being a competitive player, traveling, touring the country, the world, but also heavily involved in teaching, doing instructing, uh, coaching. Um, I'm a team manager for Dismania, and I'm also a course designer, sales manager for Disc Golf Park. So heavily involved in disc golf each and every day. I live it. I breathe it. It's, it's everything of me right now. So, uh, you know, I hope it remains that way for a long, long time the rest of my life, I'll say. Amazing. What I love about that intro is you've essentially given an index about all the questions we're going to ask about. So all of those topics we're going to get into. So that's great. Um, <laughs> I hope they're in that order too. There you go. Perfect. They're not far off, not far off. I mean, the first point I wasn't going to bring it up, but you brought it up. You've been uh, playing disc golf for over 30 years. I looked on your PDGA and you were a PDGA member before I was even a thought in my parents' uh, <laughs> parents' existence. So uh, not don't, don't want to make you feel old there, but um, it's just amazing to see someone being representing the sport for that long. I'm I'm very few of the four digit numbers still out there and still playing, and it, it's cool. It's very special. There's, like I said, a very few of us that are the four digit club. Um, right off the top of my mind is uh, Steve Rico um, and Johnny McRae and Simon Lazat just because he is a European and got a really good low number um, being European. So they got a good draw on that. But as far as like players that are still out there at the four digit number, there's very few of us still playing men's pro open at least. And I, I see those names quite often at the top of the sheets. Your name is one that comes up a huge amount in the UK. And that brings us on to our first topic. Um, and normally your name is associated with the the AJ Destroyer. I mean, the, the Destroyer being one of the most popular discs ever in the sport. Uh, but it's quite a contentious topic because the hottest debate on all of the platforms over here on Facebook and social media is which tour had the best Destroyer, whose mold is the best. Uh, and the Avery Jenkins Destroyer is always top of that list. I know uh, Heimberg has sort of started to creep up that list and uh, Wysocki with his Socky Bart Destroyer. Can you tell us a little bit about that relationship with the Destroyer? Um, and I'd love to know if you get competitive with some of these pros or saying, oh, I've sold more Destroyers than you or mine flies better. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, no, I haven't gotten discussion or a heated discussion with any players regarding who's got the Destroyer and what was the best Destroyer. I personally know, just from my experience, the runs that were coming out when I was playing and when I had my name on the Destroyer were the best runs there's no doubt about it i haven't thrown any of the current runs but man when those transition from the the first star destroyers to the either the ones that became my signature to star destroyers that right there when there was the sds those poppy top marbled almost indestructible destroyers they haven't made runs like that since and again it was an honor to get the destroyer i did get to call my shots and do pick the pick the disc that i wanted most and uh, the Destroyer released in 2007. So there was a few years there where they actually just had a stock Star Destroyer. And those are the, the pre-Avery Star Destroyers. And then when I won Worlds in 2009, I got to choose a signature disc. And that was my main driver. I threw it for all my distance shots. And there was no doubt about it. I was taking the, the biggest, baddest distance driver out there at the time. And still to this day, you know, you're talking about when I got it in 2010, we're looking at 11 years ago when I first got the Destroyer. And sure, there's been faster, farther flying discs out there, you know, at a, for a distance driver. 
yet for consistency and control, there's still nothing that tops the destroyer. Like it's still the main and most popular distance driver out there. It, it's cool to be attributed to that and have a, an early effect on that whole driving wave of, of making the destroyer very much a staple uh, among a lot of players, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, depending on how many bought destroyers or, or thrown them over the years. The most, the most frustrating thing about destroyer for me is that I've just put one in my bag. And as soon as I threw it, I was thinking, why have I just put this thing in my bag? It's amazing. And I, it, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm frustrated <laughs> with myself because my game probably would have been a little bit better if it had been in there the whole time. So, as you uh, should be. As you should be. What, what was holding <laughs> you back? Like you, you didn't want to believe the hype or what? I think it was um I think it was the hype that held me back a little bit. I think the destroyer is yeah. known uh, if you haven't got the big arm it's like a little bit of a hook. So I was throwing uh blizzard line crates and things like that to try and maybe I wasn't I wasn't I didn't have the confidence myself I say but uh I've got a star destroyer in there now yeah. and it's uh it's something I'm loving. But the first yeah. disc I ever had um and I want to talk about your transition to the T-Bird. So the T-Bird was the first disc I ever purchased. Um can you awesome. talk us a bit a bit of transition of going from the destroyer then to have a signature t-bird uh maybe why that change happened and uh yeah again talk us through the t-bird for sure so i had the destroyer for nearly five years 2010 to 2015 and um when i was traveling around in 2014 with me and simon lazat traveling in the dismania motorhome uh we're traveling on tour doing clinics and playing tournaments and about that time, there was this young kid coming up the ranks. You may have heard of him. Macbeth was the last name. Um, but he had won three world titles at that point, 2012, 13, 14. And so in discussions, I knew he was the next big thing. And we had talked about it. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of stepping away a little bit. I wasn't playing as much, even though I was on tour. And I was just about to have my first child in the 14, in the 15. And I just knew I wasn't going to be super involved on the competitive level playing and touring and traveling and paul Macbeth was making a name for himself obviously after three world titles he is and he's the face of disc golf and was then and is now and i thought it was a really nice kind of passing of the torch to allow the number one player in the world at that time and still is to take on the best disc we have for innova and we uh, agreed upon it and I wanted to hand it down and hand it off to somebody that was very worthy and obviously is. And when I made the decision to step away, we agreed on it, giving him the destroyer, but I wanted to have something still in the lineup. I wanted to have another disc that was very dear to me and being an end of a player and end of a sponsor player for 20 years, I kind of hold with the staples, the, the four staples in the bag, the disc you need for every single kind of fairway you know mold if you will being a putter a mid-range a fairway driver and a distance driver and for the fairway driver i love the t-bird it was always that staple disc that you need to have in the bag for a fairway good controllable accurate accurate driver so um trading off the destroyer for the t-bird it was a decision and uh, i was glad i made it and i was very honored to still continue on with a signature disc with innova amazing uh, and just to i'm gonna i'm gonna hazard a guess i mean i've watched her in the bags in in the past but i uh I'll admit that I've, I've forgotten exactly what was what. Mid-range and putter. I assume mid-range is going to be a rock. Yes. And putter and AVR, I assume. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a rock, AVR, T-Bird, Destroyer, <laughs> kind of like the four staples. And you ask 
pretty much any Innova Pro, they're going to hit on most of those, if not all of them, but definitely getting a few of them. You know, those are the staples for Innova players, AVR, Rock, Tiber, Destroyer. And there is so many other discs and there's so many more options out there. And there's a lot of hybrids of, you know, different AVR putters, you know, AVR threes, AVR X threes, Rock X threes, you know, lots of variations out there, but there's always an AVR Rock Tiber Destroyer in the mix somewhere in Innova player's bag. Nice. Awesome. That's, that's, that's awesome to see. And you, you alluded there about obviously Macbeth being a three times world champion, but um, let's not, let's not uh, around the bush. You know, you're a world champion yourself. Um, you, you won, you won world. Yes, sir. Um, w- once you've hit that, that world champion status, you know, first of all, let's talk about how that feels and what's your next goal. What do you want to do next? Uh, to attain a world title and to be a world champion with in a sport, any sport to consider yourself the greatest player at that time or that year I did attain number one in the world after I won worlds that year too. So it was kind of two good, two different goals in one, but to, to hit that, that main goal, that major champion, that world champion status, it was everything I worked for, everything I uh, accumulated and worked towards and all the, all the rainy mornings, all, all the windy tournaments that I didn't want to go out there and play or, or get out in the motor home and play on some really cold or rainy day or go practice when I didn't want to, or go out and putt in the yard when I just, could find some other things to do it made it all worth it you know everything you grind through to be the best you got to do all those things you can't skip steps just because you think you're good you can't skip working for it it's always going to be a grind the harder you work for it the more uh, satisfying it is to you know attain that goal so what it was it was 10 years of full-time tour every single weekend practicing playing off season really the downtime was very limited. And again, when I'm talking about the 10 years, throughout that 10 years, I'd probably played more tournaments than just about anybody, put more miles on the road than just about anybody. And during that like 2008, 2009, I also won uh, PDJ points titles as well. So it meant I was out there not only playing a bunch of tournaments, but playing all the biggest tournaments and accumulated a lot of PDJ points. So no matter what it was, I was playing from like end of February, deep into like November with very few, you know, months or weeks off during that time. And again, it was everything I'd worked towards coming together and and making it worth it, you know? Um, And the next step is just kind of living the life I'm living now, still being very involved in disc golf. Like I said, each and every day I'm doing something disc golf related. And there isn't a day that I don't have a disc in my hand or I'm spinning on my finger while I'm at my desk typing emails or something but I'm doing something disc golf related every single day. And the next kind of goals in my life um, attain to, you know, being a, a disc golf course designer. That's my big passion right now. And that's what I, I grind on each and every day. I'm not practicing as, as much anymore. I'm playing five, six tournaments a year, but I'm playing bigger ones. I'm playing world championships. I'm playing European open um, and playing the, the bigger events, a couple pro tours here and there. I'm signed up for Jonesboro, which is in Arkansas next month. And then maybe something else. I I thought about the West Coast swing at some point, but beyond that, you know, I'm still going to be play. I'm still going to play tournaments. I'm still going to be present at some of these events and being the bigger ones. But I really want to focus on designing high level professional disc golf courses. Um, amazing. I think we need a bit of that in the UK. I mean, we've got some great courses, but they don't seem to match up to some of the stuff we see over in the states. So. 
Uh, I mean, one of my personal goals is to get over there and play the Maple Hills and the and the the, sort of the Fountain Hills and those kind of uh, those yeah. kind of courses because they just seem to be worlds apart. One one thing. Um, so I'm, I, I come from uh, a family with a brother, and I know sibling sibling rivalry is something that uh, exists yeah. across the world. Talk me through Thanksgiving with your family. Is it, uh, oh, I've got this many world championships. Oh, well, yeah, I've got a few more. And then obviously maybe she brings her husband along and that's another conversation to have. Uh, <laughs> how's, that, uh, how's that rivalry and that sort of banter across the table? Everybody wants the rivalry, um, but I'll tell you, there's not one. Um, everybody wants to have a little bit of drama within the family being based on that, but there isn't. You know, we were traveling and touring together when all this was going on, you know, when Nate and Val, we're winning world titles and we were traveling together and it was just what we did. You know, we were out there and the, and the goal was to win and we supported each other through and through. And that was the best time of my tour life is when us three were traveling together, me, being me, Valerie Jenkins and Nate Doss. And, you know, there isn't a rivalry with that. And man, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal players. They're, they're hall of famers. And, you know, Valerie being a hall of famer inducted last year, and Nate soon to be, I think in the next year or two, I think they really look at how active or inactive you are as a player. And then I think it goes through to a, a nomination with the Hall of Fame, but um, phenomenal world-class players, you know, number one at some point throughout their career, several times. I know Val held onto it for many years and Nate had it several times over and over again. It was just consistent all the way through his career. So there is no rivalry uh, and we don't really talk about it. They're, they're some of the most modest people that I know and they, they know what they've accomplished and, and they know what they work towards to attain that. So it's, but it's beautiful to be part of a disc golf family. So, so many accolades um, through the family and we're very proud of it and we do cherish it. And it's, it's real special to us to be, you know, consider that quote unquote disc golf family. Um, and even add, you know, add a few more world titles, bringing the brother-in-law into our our family with then that full circle. And then I'm I'm raising a couple of boys as well, so we'll see what happens there if they can carry on the lineage of the family. Yeah, let's let's take let's take rivalry off the table. Let's talk dynasty. That's the word yeah. we use to so going forward. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> sure. So um, you talk about coming through the tour and being a tour. You've mentioned a young Macbeth. You've mentioned a young Lazat um we'll get on to Lazat in, in a second I want to discuss if you have what I can only coin as disc dar so do you see these guys from the first throw and know they're going to be top because obviously you've seen everyone that's at the top of the game right now from quite early on when they were low in these uh, in these table rankings uh, I mean I'm not convinced that Paul ever was uh, I think he I think he was uh, born a, a throwing something or other but yeah do you have a do you have a sure. feeling and can you just can you tell I think it's, you, you see it in them um, as far as like kind of that spark or that fire you can really recognize. And I think top players definitely radiate, you know, a certain vibe or a certain aura, whether you pick up on that early in their career or after they establish themselves, but you know, it's that it factor. We always talk about with a, a high level athlete. Simon had that early on, you know, I met him when he was, it feels like he was 12 years old, but he was probably like 16, 17. We've definitely talked about it a few times in 2009 at the European Championship, sorry, European Open in Finland. And he made the, the league card playing out there with Climo and Felberg. And then yes, for Ludmark at the time being Sweden's number one player. And he's on the league card. And then me and Nader, I think a second card at that point. And this young kid we never even heard of, he's out there just shredding it. And that's definitely when he made his mark. 
And then when you talk about Macbeth, you know, he won, he didn't win 2007 Am Worlds. He came in second. And I had met him at the World Championships, the Am World Championships in Milwaukee that year and signed his disc and hanging out, talking to him a little bit. And it was the following year when he turned pro. Later that year, he made the league card with me, Climo, and Nate Doss at the USDGC in 2008 and he made his mark then i think that's when he got the recognizable eye from a lot of fans and spectators of the next great thing and obviously making a league card in any major championship you're gonna get recognized but you can sense it you can sense it from the top players and even when i met eagle at a young age and then later on after he was like 15 16 17 years old you just again you, you just kind of feel this uh this energy from certain players and you can kind of you can kind of sense it and there's a lot more, I think there's a lot more competition these days. And there's a lot more high-end players for sure. And it's cool to see the elevation of the game and these phenomenal players kind of coming out of the woodworks that have only been playing a couple of years where there's other established pros have been playing a little bit longer. But yeah, to answer your question, full circle around, you do see it. You do see it in a player just by skill. But a lot of times you see it in their personality and how they carry themselves. Nice. And leading on, Bev, going back to Lazar. You know, talk yeah. us through you. You saying there, you saw him on that lead card. You know, use on that chase cards. You know, talk yeah. us through his career. You know, how have you seen him grow into the player he is today? Because you must have seen that journey, and you must feel quite proud of as being part of that. Yeah, I got to see every every step of the way, uh, which is cool. And then um, in 2009, when I first met him, he was just a a young kid out of Germany. I don't know how UC Maresma found him. Uh, the, you know, out of the most remote places of Germany, you know, where there's not really a, a big disc golf scene. There's very small tournaments. There's definitely not high end, you know, there's might be a, a German championship that might be sizable scale. But other than that, it's very, very small tournament circuit. And he did get out and play some tournaments, you know, in Denmark and, and surrounding countries, maybe even Norway and Finland and Sweden. But until he really kind of stepped on the scene at the European Open in 2009, he was pretty much unheard of to any top pro. And he made a name for himself that day. We got to know him a little better and we kept in touch. And it wasn't but years later seeing him at big tournaments or seeing him at Memorial or USDGC and becoming friends and, and kind of building that relationship there. And then when I got to take him on tour in 2014, it was his first big u.s tour of playing all our biggest events you know all the national tours and it wasn't pro tours a thing yet but we're playing all the biggest events and taking them around and playing the events is one thing you gotta you gotta cherish that and you really gotta prepare for the big events and and put on a good show and finish well and win but it's also i kind of got to show them the ropes of what the journey's like enjoying enjoying where you're traveling to you know enjoying monday fun day going out and seeing the grand canyon or going to, you know, around Boston and walking around or going to Times Square or Central Park and showing them that the tour is not just disc golf. It is, but you need to enjoy where you're traveling to and enjoy that time off and really enjoy where you're at in the world. And we do that quite often, you know, whether we're in the US or over in Europe or, you know, in Japan traveling, it's, we enjoy the time off as well. And it's been great to experience that with him. So, you know, not taking credit for a whole lot, but I did show him the way and how to tour and how to really enjoy it. It's not just you go A to B, tournament to tournament to tournament, but enjoy your travels. It's not about the destination. It's the journey along the way. 
to make a to make a nerdy comparison, I almost see it as a uh, Star Wars. So you're the Han Solo, the Millennium Falcon, uh, UC's Obi Wan that discovered <laughs> Luke and uh, made the uh, Simon's Luke, and you're just uh, traveling the galaxy, uh, winning tournaments. That's the uh, that's the comparison that I see. That's perfect. Now, if we do a movie, I I'll, I'll definitely uh, we can I'll, I'll play that part, or we find you know Leonardo DiCaprio to play my part. But I, I love that. That's a good script. I I, I guess. Um, I don't know who played Chewbacca. Maybe James, James Conrad's got the most amount of hair, so maybe he can uh, he can jump in there. There we go. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful, though. But yeah, it's uh, it's been cool to see the journey and uh, just the evolution of Simon as a player from where he was at the humble beginnings until he is now. You know, they they ranked him on a an online uh, poll as the the most popular player, regardless if he's number one or number five in PDGA you know, standings or, or world ranking. He's the most popular player for who he is and what he does and what he brings to the table on the entertainment factor, his personality, and then obviously his, his YouTube presence, you know, really entertaining stuff and he produces a lot of good content. So he's popular because he's very real and he doesn't hide anything. He doesn't put on a fake, you know, facade. He's, he's as real as it gets and he's, he's funny, he's entertaining and he puts on a good show. Yeah, I, th- I think Dismania, I don't know what it is about Dismania, and you might be able to shed a bit of light, but it seems that most of the top pros on Dismania have that secret source, which also makes them a personality. So I know Eagle's got Eagle Vlogs, Simon's got his extremely successful YouTube channel. I know each each brand and each sponsor has has those big names of Discraft Macbeth and whatnot, but it seems that Dismania's kind of got that digital, cool, social media kind of vibe around a lot of their players. I think they do that really well, and I think that only builds the following around the brand so that's I mean that's why i throw a lot of dismania uh most of my mid-rangers are md3s which i'll get onto in a in a sec it's uh we pride ourselves on that you know we we are very much a, a marketing company we advertise and we promote just about as good as anybody or better than anybody just for the fact that we like to hype things if it's not product it's our players and simon and eagle they're they do a good job on branding themselves as individuals and as players and we like to get involved with that and we like to hype them as well so it's it's cool to see just the vision the vision of uc you know he's the messiah for dismania and he leads us on a a great journey you know and and he does a lot to really promote the brand and he likes to build it up he likes to get people excited and that's cool to see within disc golf in general but that's what we do really well at dismania i think i think you're right there with the hype because obviously each each person's got their own hype. And I think whenever a new signature series comes out for Dixmania, it goes crazy. You know, clips out there, they want the um, Sky Gods. They want the Cloud Breakers. You know, that's massive. Um, I think recently... Let's not mention the tilt. Uh, the tilt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the tilt is something else. Um, obviously, Eagle throwing that on the 18th yes. for a Las Vegas Challenge upside down just shows, you know, what yeah. a personality he is. But going from collection, I think recently I saw on your Instagram, you was with Simon and you, you was with his, obviously, his awesome disc collection. He has got a great collection. Yeah. Let's talk about yep. yours because I don't think there's anyone with a better collection in disc golf than you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely up there. Uh, I know there's quite a few collectors out there that are, that are big time. They definitely invest a lot of money into it and put a lot of time into it over the years. One thing, it was always... I don't know. It was definitely a side thing, kind of hobby for me to collect discs. A lot of it came, the passion came from my father as far as acquiring discs. And he was a, he was a, an authorized dealer for Innova for years. So every time we got shipments of discs, he would always 
kind of go through them and have a little stack for himself and then what he's going to sell at the course. And he attained and got a lot of discs throughout the years. And I kind of picked up the, the addiction of, of collecting discs at a very young age. And then I traveled a lot, you know, on tour, I would pick up discs and, and get, got to access a lot of cool collections throughout my travels from tour stop to tour stop to different cities. And then just being around the sport, you know, being a sponsor player for so many years, you attain discs, you know, and have a, have a certain allotment. And it was pretty much unlimited for a long time with any of us. So it was always kind of picking up stuff that I wanted to throw and have backups for. And that's kind of where that came, where I didn't want to have two or three or 10 backups. I wanted to have like 50. I want to have a hundred. I want to have enough that if I play till I'm <laughs> 95 years old, that I had enough that I would never run through them. And so a lot of my collection was just kind of exorbitant amounts of extra throwing stock in a sense. And then I started collecting like cool stamps and different runs of things and prototypes, first run kind of stuff. But a lot of it I collected to have for myself, for my own throwing stock. But then I started collecting on the side to have just a really sweet collection of variety of stamps and, and different discs. And again, I'm, I'm one of probably the one of the top 10 for sure. Um, and I don't have it on maybe quantity. I'm sitting about 5,000, maybe 5,500 discs. And there's guys that have definitely have a lot more, but quality wise, it's, it's up there. I, I kind of remind myself every once in a while when I start digging through and find a box I haven't opened in like a decade and crack that open and be like, whoa, I just totally forgot I had these. Oh, these are sweet. And I'm glad I held on to these or didn't get rid of these yet. And it's, uh, I'm a collector of many things. I, I collect courses, uh, I collect discs, and uh, I collect a, a number of things. It's, it's just one of, the, one of my hobbies alongside of what I do within disc golf. I think my, uh, my entire disc collection, that includes what's in my bag, is about 35, 40 discs. So you've got me beat on a couple there. Um, sure. What's your... Sure. What's, that's most people. That's most people, for sure. What's your um, house fire disc? So say you've had time to save one disc. Uh, it might be a hard question. Or, or do you know it straight away? What are you grabbing? Wow. House fire. That's a scary term right there. That's really scary. I, that's things I like <laughs> have nightmares about right there. Um, the one disc. You're talking about like holy grail kind of stuff. I'm talking similar to the uh, the Simon uh, Simon Lazotte's, uh three stamp uh, Sky God that you auctioned for thousands of pounds. That sure, that kind of sure. level. But I'm sure I'm sure you have something better. Yeah, he auctioned it for thousands of pounds and then spilt a load of sharpie on it. Yeah, and we've talked about it. I've got lots, I've got lots of varieties of double the triple quadruple stamp stuff. Stuff that's one of one. Stuff that'll never be made again. Um, I always thought about putting together a box of having like my rarest stuff in a, in a one box that I could grab in case, the, in case of emergency kind of thing. <laughs> um, I really, I, I cherish all these discs so much. I couldn't just pick just one, just to be honest. Um, they mean a lot to me. And I, I do have stacks of destroyers that I would want to grab, not just one. Um, and I don't know, I got, I got this really nice one of these discs that just comes to mind when you say that. I have, so in 1990, 1990 World Championships was Climo, Ken Climo's first world title. They had these San Marino rocks, so San Marino being a very old mold in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. And they had 200 of these rocks with this world, 1990s world stamp on, on them. And when he won, I got one that he actually signed. So it's an autograph, 1990 World Championship rock. And only 200 of them were made, and I'm sure half of them or more were thrown. And it's kind of like a Ken Climo rookie card. 
and to have his first disc, his first world championship, and the one of 12, you know, kind of thing of his worlds, that's real special to me. And I, I like to collect things that are kind of sentimental as well. I probably have other ones that are probably worth more in value, but sentimental wise, like he's a, he's an idol of mine and someone I looked up to for decades now. So uh, that's one disc that comes to mind when you're thinking about grabbing one of them. Yeah. I think anything uh, Ken Clamo era is, is disc golf, uh, disc golf gold. You know, the guy is an absolute legend. Um, I think he inspired so many and there's um, yeah, he's, he's still well known today and his disc is still selling today. I still see 12 times Clamo discs going around. Yeah. Do people on tour look to you for those discs? So they're looking to find a specific type of disc. Do you get the pros like saying, look, Avery, I need this. Can you source it or have you got it? Yes, I get I get asked quite a bit. And over the last year, I transitioned from Innova to Dismania. Um, being that it was, you know, it was kind of like. It was definitely a change into the times being 20 years at Innova. And transitioning over to the Dismania side of things, it's it's exciting, it's new, it's fresh. It's still in the end of a family in a sense and has been for a long time. I've been co-sponsored or you know, dual sponsored for about eight years. Um, and I was one of the one of the few that was ever dual sponsored by Dismania and Innova, and I was the last of that of that kind of roster spot. So transitioning to fully Dismania and being a team manager and disc golf park sales manager. You know, that's where my future lies within my disc golf career on the business side of things. But to answer your question, I still have Innova stock within my collection. And I do get hit up quite often for, you know, old AVRs, you know, old 10-time AVRs. Maybe that's a number one putter for a player. And I'm talking about like top players, sponsored Innova players or looking for rocks or maybe like a beat up rock. They're looking for a straighter turnover. I have a pretty good selection of just broken in conditioned rocks as well. Um, anything from T-Birds and by probably the most requested is obviously destroyers. So looking for replacement destroyers or backup destroyers. And I've definitely given out my fair share of those to players that are going to throw them. That's the, I, I think it's a nice uh, kind of a token and, and a nice hand-me-down if I can supply a, a great player with a disc that they love and they like to throw, I, I'll gladly do it. I'm, I'm definitely choosy and very picky on who I hand them out to, but I want to make sure that they're going to throw them and they're going to utilize them and they're going to get birdies with them. You know, they're going to be successful. And that's the big part of it. They're not just getting them to grab them and put them away or sell them off somewhere. But I, I gladly hand down discs to players that are definitely going to utilize them the best. No, I 100% agree. Uh, one thing we've spoke about uh, when we, so we had Nate Sexton on the show uh, and his Firebirds are arguably the most unthrown tour disc uh, pro disc of all time because they just get put on walls sure. and they're, they're beautiful and i understand it uh so i i sort of asked him how he feels because i'm personally a guy that buys discs to throw them um yeah so talking about uh, throwing discs i want to give a quick shout out um to a guy that's definitely listening to this because he's a huge avery jenkins fan i believe you actually liked a photo of, uh, of his on instagram a, a while back of his avery jenkins destroyer collection it's his disc plug on instagram um he's charlie yes. charlie o'brien uh, he's a amazing player and uh, up, a big collector so yeah hey charlie uh, heads up um uh, one thing me and charlie share in common is the love for the md3 so talking about Discmania discs um i think it is probably the most popular disc over here from Discmania lineup um and i'm hoping i'm hoping to get a scoop from you a little bit of insider info because as of recording so not sure if it's uh, it's been made public 
there's a little bit of un un uncertainty uh, what original lineups are going to stick around for Dismania. Are you able to let us know if the, if the MD3 is sticking around or is that still inside of secret knowledge? The MD3 is our number one mid-range. And for our limitations on what we have access to um, in the molding process and what we have access to through Dismania, you know, being Innova molding our discs, the MD3 being our number one mid-range is a disc that we will continue to have. Absolutely. No doubt about it. It's just, it's, again, it's a staple. Yes. As much as rock <laughs> is a staple for Innova. <laughs> MD3 is a staple for us at Dismania being the mid-range and P2s and FDs and DD3s. Like those are the big discs that transfer and kind of transcend over. So absolutely. Amazing. I mean, you have made my evening. I mean, the guests don't realize this, but uh, it is almost midnight here in the UK uh, based on time difference. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not now going to sleep because the MD3 is here to stay. Uh, and <laughs> we've spoken about lost discs in the past on the show and the most devastated I've ever been. And it's, I go, I walk down to the river every other day to see if I can see it is a G line, perfect weight, 170 gram, uh, Dismania original stamp MD3. And it's, yeah. it's, it's in the bottom of the river. I, I'm confident I'll get it back at some point, but, uh, the fact that they, they hopefully stick around for the foreseeable future means I might be able to get another 170 gram G line, uh, in the, in the coming year. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and when you get a chance to get one, you get 10. Oh, 100%. So you don't have to worry about that one getting lost. You'll have backups for it. Like like I said, you want to have backups upon backups for it. Um, and it's a heartbreaker. Again, I I own more discs than most, and it still breaks my heart. I hate losing discs. I hate it. It, it. it hurts me to the heart. If it's a if it's a broken in disc, it's even worse. If it's a brand new disc, you can you can replace it. Still, I still hate losing them though. I'll, I'll tell you what that you brings know, us really on to what's usually our last question, but I'll ask this now because it's just it flows on really well. The question we ask every single guest on the show, every single pro, is about the negative side of losing discs. So it's part of the sport. Uh, disc golf wouldn't be the same without losing discs. <laughs> Can you tell us a story or a time where you lost one disc that meant more than any other time you've lost a disc? And tell us why that was the one disc. Was it an expensive disc? Was it one that meant a lot? Or was it just a stupid throw, which you could have completely avoided? Gosh, that's an emotional question right there. Like I just, I literally had dozens of discs fly through my mind. I remember having them on my hand and then throwing them and never seeing them again. Um, so that, that one definitely tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. And one disc does come to mind. Keep in mind, most of the discs I throw, especially if it's a distance driver, they're going in spots where most people are never going to go. Like I'm throwing over the top on some crazy line, like, like Simon lines before Simon was throwing them kind of thing. And I would lose <laughs> them in the most remote spots of courses, like over the top long of the, or way like hundred feet, 300 feet left or right. And going down this canyon trying to find this thing and you'll never find it ever again so i lose discs in most spots that no one will ever find them and that's that's the heartbreaker of it but i do recall one disc it'll go on your it'll go on your story of your md3s the 2013 european open md3s they're glow and they have like a, a finished wolverine on the on the hot stamp best run of md3s ever love these things and i only have five or six of them and i remember playing a course in iceland and we we're playing at dusk and it was a downhill shot and on, on a course that wasn't really played all that often and i remember throwing long of the basket into this tall grass over this little rocky hill 
thinking nothing of it. And I went down there. We're playing like some big group of six or eight players. Went down there and searched for like an hour with eight players stomping through the high grass and rocks, never to be seen again. And I was like trying to contemplate coming back out there when it got dark, but it's it's Iceland in the summer and it doesn't get dark because it's going to glow and I have a chance to maybe find it and never went back, never found again, never reported found. And I hate losing <laughs> discs. I'll go back to that. I just hate it. <laughs> I, I, a disc like that I, I'm, I'm sure you're the same as me. You could throw a thousand shots and not remember the exact flight, but it's the one that you lose is you can just close your eyes and envision it sailing in the exact line that it took into the distance. Um, and it just repeats and repeats and repeats. The um the MD3 that's in the river at the moment, it was a it was a patent pending backhand shot that turned into a roller and it just slow mo it turned slow motion as it does. Uh just flicked up into the river, nice little splash. Um and I'm still haunted by it. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, oh, never nice thing. Nightmares. Yeah, no, I, I guarantee you we were within, you know, ten feet of that or even five feet of that disc several times over and just never found it. So yeah. That's 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 why I have to live with, you know. Rob, the amount of effort that went in to get that disc as well was a joke because I think that was your mystery box disc, wasn't it? That was the one that uh, that was a mystery box disc, which was an effort to get the mystery box. Anyway, I'm sure you know Avery that how hard it is, how quickly those things sell. I've heard. I've heard and that was it. the um, <laughs> that was the disc um, that I was hoping would come more than anything in 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 that box. So it was almost like in Willy Wonka when they opened the edge of the wrapper and you saw the golden ticket. Uh, when I saw when I pulled that out, I was ecstatic, and I had it for about three weeks. I, I think uh, it, it was, <laughs> but I was loving every second. I, I played 20, 30 rounds with that disc within those three weeks, and I, I loved every so, throw. A one seventy G line MD three. That's the one. Yeah, okay, that's the I'll one. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. Um, you guys have like collector sites and stuff, like on Facebook and and eBay and stuff. Do you guys? have access to yeah. like can you search them out like they're still we, out there right we do you'd be surprised how hard it is um for specifics especially over here in the uk um i guess the md3 is uh we that we've we've had i would say in the last two months 20 in search of md3 posts and every comment has been like haha good luck uh pretty much repeated on every single um in search of uh so they're but, and I think a lot of that is the unsurety around are they going to continue? Um, obviously, you have the three claws and the collectors and the iron samurais that people are desperate to get hold of. Sure. But you know what? I'm a, I'm a humble man. I'm a simple man. I, I, as long as it's a nice weight and it's a, it doesn't need to have a fancy stamp, uh, I'll, I, it's, it's one that I love. I'm just going to say you have access to the rest of Europe, not with just within you know UK, but having access to the rest of Europe trying to track down a disc. They got to be literally dozens, if not hundreds, out there. You know, and what's what's the typical price of a disc there? Uh, the price has been inflated at the moment, though. You get an MD3. I've seen MD3 sell for 40, 50 pounds, and then obviously you got you got probably arguably my favorite disc of all time um, is in what it looks like the Claw MD3. The day I get my hands on one of them is the day I will retire from disc golf because <laughs> that that disc to me is incredible i know how simple it is because it's the same as every other md3 but i don't know the look of it the feel of it um you know was mentioned charlie you know his brother joe frozen that's that's his staple md3 in his bag frozen yeah you know and that's how they should and that, be. that goes for about that goes for about 100 and 120 100 a lot of money over here <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's 200 quid 
right there. Is the conversion about three to one, two to one? I, I, th I think it's probably about 100 and if it was 100, 100 pounds, it's probably about $150. I, th I think about that. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's up there. Okay. Okay. Well, 1.5 then. Yeah. And it's, it's just funny though. Like, as we talk about this, we all have, you know, we get emotional, you have, you have passion about a disc or a certain disc you lost, but it just goes to show you like the effect it has, you know, how special disc golf is and how a, a piece of plastic can be so special to one player or Absolutely. one person. That's, that's pretty cool. It, it's mental. Um, but going back to you, when you lost this, you said you was on a card of eight people. Now I'm going to put you on the spot now. You can have you, you you're going out to play disc golf with three other people, past or present. What three are you picking? Wow. Um, well, I'll tell you, this is kind of this is perfect for the fact that I had three of my closest family um, with me during my thousandth course that I played at Glen Eagles Disc Golf Course in San Francisco, California, May twenty third, two thousand eighteen. Um, just details. So I had a, uh, it was me, my mother, Sharon Jenkins, my sister, Valerie Jenkins and Nate Doss. It was us, us four. So that was the other three. And we went out there for a very momentous and celebratory thousandth course. And I'll never forget it. It was as simple as that. We had, we had a great time. Uh, a friend of ours, Jeff Panis from Innova. He does all the social media and, and does a lot of just, uh, a lot of just production stuff for Innova and he was out there doing filming the round and capturing some of the interactions between us for um, catching some of the conversation. And then we did a sit down interview afterwards, which was really cool to document the occasion. So that was my, uh, that was my foursome and it was, it was magical and unforgettable. And I could play with that group the rest of my life. It was, it meant a lot. That's the best answer I think we've ever had, Rob. No, the, the amount that, that family means it means a lot to me. You know, I'm a massive family man. Um, you know, I'm about to have my first baby this year, and I hope he's going to be a disc golfer as well. But it's like I, I love how much family means to you, and how much you all support each other. It, it it's, it's incredible. Congratulations! That's all awesome. very cool. And if you even kind of weigh in the, you know, just the what the group brought. You know, being family, being disc golf family, being very close to me. And we also had 11 world championships titles on that card, which even kind of kind of bumped it up a notch too. Surely, surely, I know there's uh, there's sponsorship issues and branding issues, but surely there needs to be an 11 times Jenkins family disc. Uh, surely that needs to happen. That's good. That's good. And we're still not even up to Climo titles yet. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's that's extremely true. Um. So you're you're expecting your child win again? So he, he is due 28th of May, uh, 2020, uh, 21. Yeah. Cause that'll be last year. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, it, it's quite, yeah. So we were having a girl to start with, uh, hospital decided yeah. to get it wrong. Uh, we went for our next scan and we found it was having a boy. Um, so I'm just super excited. Um, I've already warned the boys that it's going to be a, a month or, or two off of this girl for a bit whilst, uh, we settles in, but after that pram is out, I'm back. <laughs> Awesome. Congratulations. That's uh it's a wild ride. Buckle up. Um, get your sleep in right now. Just being brutally honest, <laughs> get your afternoon naps in like those little afternoon naps. You can kind of sneak away for those disappear really quick, unless you get away with having your baby on your lap and then you can kind of get away with that nap gun. You know, you're putting your baby to sleep, but buckle up, enjoy the ride. It's there's nothing like it. <laughs> 
even the best disc in your collection and the heartbreaking of losing certain things or the best tournament won, nothing compares to having kids. And I am so fortunate to have two boys and, you know, one six being Arian and our youngest one years old being Arlo. And they're, they're the best tournament I ever won. You know, it's, it, they, they don't compare to anything I've ever accomplished within disc golf. They're, they're my everything these days. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. You know, speaking to you and given that I've had tips from Avery Jenkins, how to be a parent. I've had tips from um, Nate Sexton, how to be a parent. I, I'm going to be the best parent ever. I'm loving it. Wow. <laughs> pro tips, dude. Pro we can give you disc golf pro tips. We can give you parental father pro tips as well. But anytime, dude. And congratulations. It's a, it's a wild ride. All Definitely right. enjoy it. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Dale, absolutely no pressure now. You've got two of the best uh, disc golfs <laughs> in the world. Uh, I mean, you, you, it's all downhill from here. Um, yeah well Avery that is a pretty much all we have time for on the show thank you so much for joining us I know uh, we were absolutely buzzing to sit down with you and it's uh, it's been everything that we expected so uh, thanks for joining us uh, before you go we'd love you to shout out any social media any platforms or anything that you want to uh, mention or plug or this is this is time to do it uh, the floor is yours awesome well again it was an honor I really appreciate you guys making time and uh adjusting to my schedule i know you guys are up late making this happen but it's been a pleasure and honor to be part of this podcast and we could talk disc golf for hours if not days it's it's what i do and, and what i love to do and what i've done for a long time and continue to do for the rest of my life you know so it's i look forward to continue to play at some capacity for you know many more years at least a decade or two but it's been everything to me is be disc golf. And I think you guys contacted me and, and get me on a podcast. Uh, as far as shout outs, I just want to give a shout out to uh, all the, all the players out there, um, all the new players out there, but all the established players out there that have played the game for a, for a while. It's, it's cool to be a part of disc golf in this era, you know, post pandemic. It's, it's incredible to see the growth of the sport on the player side, on the tournament side, even courses going in the ground these days, phenomenal growth for disc golf so it's an exciting time to be a part of it and i look forward to the future awesome man well avery thank you so much for coming on um it's been an absolute honor um until next time um you know thank you so much and we'll, we'll speak to you very soon cheers guys thanks again well what i guess it's not often you get a get the chance to sit down to a, a world with a world champion uh, of a uh, of a sport that you love uh, super humble guy. I, I know we spoke in the episode about uh, sort of the dynasty that he's uh, his he has over there, whether his mum being a champion, his sister being a champion, him being a champion, and I have no doubt that we'll see some of the Avery kids uh, um, sort of coming through the ranks. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure there'll be a couple more Jenkins on the uh, on the world champion plaque in years to come. So <laughs> it'll be it'll be interesting, an interesting one to watch. No, definitely, mate. And um, I feel every week. I'm becoming a better parent after getting all this parenting advice from the top pros. Well, I'm sure you're going to be a great parent anyway, but uh, all of this, uh, all of these tips and tricks, uh, they're not going to go to waste. And I'm sure they will help. Um, <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm hoping to have a little, uh, a little, uh, a little member of the AM side in a couple of years' time uh, to wheel around the course, uh, and and not long now. So from point of recording. Uh, uh, not not too long at all until uh, until your little one's on the way. Not at all. Um, one thing I wanted to uh, do is give a shout out to someone that um, sort of has come on our radar in the last couple of weeks. 
Um, and that's the guys over at Angry Goose Disc Golf. Um, they're doing something really cool. What these guys are doing is they are using existing discs. So if you're an Innova fan, a Latitude fan, or a, uh, a Dynamic Discs fan, um, they're taking existing discs and they're coming up with some really playful, exciting, funny stamps uh, to go on there. Um, I don't know, making, uh, making the game a little bit more lighthearted and having fun with it. Um, and I just wanted to give them a shout out because they've currently got a Kickstarter going on where you can go and uh, uh, you can back what they're doing and back the creation of some of these uh, really great stamps they're designing. Um, and at a good price as well. I, 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 off the top of my head, I don't know the prices, but I know um, the disc is well priced and you get a mini uh, included with the uh, Kickstarter campaign. So definitely go over and check out Angry Goose Disc Golf. Uh, I know I'm going to be a backer uh, of, of, the, of the Kickstarter they have going on. It's, it's great to to back and to help these smaller businesses because at one point we were that smaller um, podcast and people took a chance on us and now we're growing. And um, as of this point, um, I just want to obviously let people know we're, we're in the top forties and fifties of, of podcast charts around the world, which is, I don't know about you, Rob, but it, I never thought that would happen. It's, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. If you look at the, uh, I think the sports news is the category that the Amside falls within. And if you look at sports news, again, US and UK charts, we're bouncing up and down those charts, hopefully down more than up because uh, we want to get to those those low numbers. But it's it, it's just crazy to think that we're we're sitting it, uh, in between some wonderful podcasts that we've enjoyed um, for a long time now. So it's uh, it's almost unbelievable. But let's move on to next week's uh, disc golf. So we need to do some predictions. We have got the Vintage Open in Arkansas. Quite a good field out there. It's only a Silver Series. So I think last time, correct me if, uh, if I'm wrong, Rob, is 25% of the points? Uh, 25% of, uh, yeah, tour points. So nothing to nothing to uh, to sniff at, but you know what? Uh, it's, it, all, all points help. It's, it's all going to help. As we know from last year, Katrina Allen, you know, got that top spot by playing these smaller tournaments. Um I mean, only 17 FPO field this week, so slightly smaller than we're used to, but I think still quite a stacked field MPO-wise. So um, MPO and FPO, who have you got? MPO is not going to be too much of a, uh, a challenge for me to guess because my boy Calvin Heinberg's playing. Boring. Um, so you, you know that I've got his back. Yes, it's boring. And you know what? One episode he's not going to be playing that week and I'll get to pick someone else. Um, <laughs> just because I think he's on the chase. Uh, he didn't have the... He came in uh, tied fifth in his last uh, last tournament, but so he didn't have uh, that 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 sort of top three finish that we've been seeing uh, him pull in the last few uh, last few months. But you know what? He's a Tampa Bay boy. He uh, he's used to the hot temperatures. Arkansas is a pretty hot place, uh, so maybe he's uh, maybe he's going to pull in something special. Um, and over on the FBO, um, someone that lived in California, so again is used to that hot temperatures. Uh, I'm going to back. Uh, someone that's been on this show, uh, Vanessa Van Dyken. I think uh, she had a slightly, slightly slow start to the season, but uh, she's pulling in some uh, some good scores. Uh, and I think just this weekend could be an opportunity for her to to, to rocket forward and, uh, and 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 snag a top spot this year. Okay, nice one. So I'm going to go MPO, someone that has been chasing down those wins this year, and I think someone has exploded onto tour really this year. Um, Casey White. Um, you know, I think he's definitely one to watch this year. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he gets down this weekend. Um, FPO, uh, I'm going to go Missy Gannon. Incredible player to watch. Um, one of, well, reigning world FPO putting champion and 
I've never seen anyone putt like her. Um, I watched a video recently with her, um, Chris Clemens and the boys. She can putt. It just sinks wherever she's going. Um, and I think putting is going to be the difference this year of, of, of winning. So, yeah, they're, they're my two picks. Um, I haven't done great this year. So um, good luck to those guys. But that's who I've got. I would actually say that the FPO has got more putting talent than the MPO. Just the distance, the accuracy, the consistency. Maybe it yeah. might come to maybe the, the testosterone floating around in the MPO. They're maybe focusing on, oh, who I can, I can throw further than the other guy. But the accuracy that these guys over in the FPO are getting is incredible. I mean, we spoke about Own Scoggins before and her ability to, to drain a putt from God knows what distance. So, uh, yeah, you, I, I mean, the FPO have got some putting talent with uh, Missy Gannon pr- probably being on the top of that perch, but a lot of people just under the, uh, yeah, no strangers to chains. No, definitely. We've got some great putters in the FPO. We've also got some really bad putters. But you've got top players in the FPO that are really bad at putting. You know, Katrina Allen from her home, she says herself, she, she's not very good at putting, but she can throw a disc and absolute bomb. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep that uh, I'll keep that to her bit saying that because I'm, I'm, I'm never going to criticise a pro for their putting because my putting is nowhere near <laughs> bad. And, it, and by that, I mean, it's nowhere near being good enough to be called bad. So uh, we will uh, <laughs> we'll keep uh, those opinions uh, to the pros and they can have those conversations between themselves. Um, <laughs> I just want to give another shout out this uh, this week to uh, discub.co.uk. I said at the beginning of the episode, they're doing wonderful things to support the show um, and uh, these these episodes, these shows, and the giveaways that we're doing wouldn't be possible without the support of our wonderful sponsors. So definitely go check out discub.co.uk and use uh, our code AMSIDE5 and you get 5% off your order as well. So, you know, Coming into the summer, you're probably losing a few more discs now that uh, the sting nettles are rising up and the thorns are rising up. Everything's growing. You're going to be losing plastic. Um, so make sure you restock from Discub. Well, I'm already seeing it over socials, Rob. People saying, oh, I've lost this disc on this hole. I've, has anyone picked up a disc on this hole? So if you do need to get yourself some plastic, you know where to go. But talking about socials, make sure you've checked all of ours out. Uh, Instagram, at the Amside Podcast. As we said, at the time of recording this, we're on that race to a thousand followers. So um, don't don't forget to go and check out that giveaway. Um, we're now on YouTube um, at the Amside Podcast. We're putting all of our um, podcasts onto YouTube as well as some awesome content coming soon. And then Facebook as well um, at the Amside Podcast, as Rob said last week. It's quite easy to remember. And if you're listening to this, in the future and we've hit a thousand followers i just want to thank you all for the support i want to thank you for the uh, the thousand followers um you know that this is this is for you this is for you the, for the guys listening in the future we did it <laughs> well guys if we don't see you on the course we'll see you on the am side